You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome in to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and thanks for listening. I'm Lance Zerline, and with me is Willie Colon. On today's podcast, we're going to chat about the future for Joe Hayden and catch up with Scott Hansen of the NFL Network and CBS contract analyst Joel Corey. But we're going to start off the podcast with Hall of Famer Marshall Falk, who talked with Nick Ferguson from the NFL Network's Hall of Fame Heroes event. I'm sitting here with Hall of Fame running back Marshall Falk. Uh, congratulations uh, being a Hall of Fame running back. Uh, I had an opportunity to watch you actually growing up. Uh, and not to kind of date you or anything, but now the NFL has now implemented uh, the fact that guys can now dance, and the, the greatest show on turf kind of basically started that. So yeah. knowing as though that you guys were pioneers, you know, for that whole event, yeah, we, I mean, we were the mean? reason that they had the rule in place. Right, right. So how does that make you feel now, knowing as though they have? going away from it and allowed it now in the league. They wasted a lot of good dance moves. <laughs> they find a lot of guys. Um, just nonsense, BS. You know, they got rid of the in out of the no fun league, you know. Yeah. <laughs> now, coming into this season, your, your, your Rams are here now in Los Angeles. Yep. Sean McVay, youngest coach in NFL history. He's taking over an offense that was pretty much at the bottom. It wasn't of the an league, offense. Right? It was just a fence. Hey, I'm just trying to give him a credit. Yeah, it was just a fence. <laughs> now, Jared Goff. They were fenced in. Exactly. And Jared Goff is in his second year. What can we expect from this team? Knowing as though they went out and brought in Sammy Watkins, signed Robert Woods to go with Tavon Austin and Todd Gray. What, what, what's the expectation? You know, I don't want to set the bar too high, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, you know, for this kid, they – They've given him a, a lot. Right. They, they've given him a lot of weapons. Um, I think that they're sure to sh- shoring up the right side of the offensive line to to having a, a formidable offense that 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 should be respected. And um, what I've seen thus far from him in the first two preseason games is, you know, he's looking like uh, he can live up to the build of being a first overall pick. There's there's some progress being made and. Um, and I'm not just talking about ability to make the throws. I'm talking about mentally thinking your way through the game, um, making the right decisions um, when the right decisions need to be made. And when the bad decision can be made, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's making the right plays. Right. Now, there's six new NFL head coaches in 2017. Yep. Now, of those coaches who were probably in the season with the better record? Um, man. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm. It's, it's either going to be uh, the Rams or the Chargers. The I think, well, I Chargers. think, I think the Rams or the Chargers. They have the better opportunity. Uh, when you look at, let's say Denver, um, you know they have they have quarterback issues. I guess they just decided on Simeon, but we, we saw what we saw what, and and they have offensive line issues. Uh, Buffalo. That boy, that's a that's just a it's a tough situation up there. Yeah. I don't know if they're rebuilding. I don't know what they're doing. Um, it's a it's <laughs> it's a unique. It's a, it's it's just a different thing there. Um, I think uh, when when I look at these two teams, 
uh, out here on the West Coast, I believe that they have the best opportunity. The Chargers with having Phillip Rivers and then the Rams having all the talent that on defense, getting Wade Phillips, acquiring what they've acquired on offense. I, I, I look at them um, as a team that could win the most games out of the teams with the new head coaches. Even, you speak of the Rams, but even with Aaron Donald's not in the camp right now, uh, I don't know how close they are to getting him signed, but if he's not there in the centerpiece of Wade Phillips' defense, I mean, can Sean McVay actually pull out a couple more wins this year than he did last season? You know, and I don't mean no disrespect to guys who have played under Wade Phillips, but other than Bruce Smith, you know, I don't, I don't know a defensive tackle slash in because that's what you play when you play the five technique. And then when, when, when they play four down, you you know, you slide into the tackle. Um, you slide into the DT. Um, I don't really know of a guy that was dominant like Aaron Donald, but he's always he always has a top five defense for whatever the reason is. So, you know, I think that um, if they can get what's necessary out of their secondary, um this, this defense, they can be special. Thank you. That's, there he is. You heard it first. Hall of Fame running back Marshall Falk. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Tune in puts you on the sidelines for the 2017 college football season free all year long. With college football on TuneIn, hear the home and away calls from more than 100 schools live, regular season matchups and rivalry games, conference championships and bowl games, the college football playoff in January. You can listen to it all for free. At home, on campus, or in rival territory, hear the excitement and pageantry of college football all season long, free on TuneIn. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Catch the show live weekdays from 4 to 7 Eastern time. Hi, this is Lance Zerline, and next on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, NFL Network Scott Hansen stops by and talks with Willie Colon and myself. We are joined right now by NFL Network Scott Hansen to talk all things football. You can follow Scott on uh, on Twitter, and you also obviously can catch him on NFL Red Zone as well. On Twitter, he is at Scott Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-O-N. And NFL Red Zone airs every Sunday starting at 1 p.m. Eastern, providing all of the exciting plays and touchdowns as they happen. You know you're addicted, and you're going to see a lot of Scott Hansen. To order NFL Red Zone, visit NFL.com slash Red Zone. Right off the bat, Scott, let's talk about the name, the big name that made the shift to a new team in the same division, and that is Joe Hayden. The Steelers end up inking a three-year deal with Joe Hayden, formerly of the Cleveland Browns. They cut him. Steelers pick him up right away, and that is a – that's a very good addition, if healthy, Joe Hayden, that is, uh, for a team that's really in need of another good quality veteran cornerback. Yeah, absolutely. You guys got that right. Good to be with you, Lance and Willie. Um, I, I w- was speaking to someone else earlier today when he had just been released, and I'm like, "Oh, he's going to have a new. He's going to have a home by the weekend." Well, little did I know he was going to have a home within what about four or five hours from the time that I made that statement. This is a total Patriots move that the Steelers are pulling off, isn't it? Right, <laughs> uh, a, yes, a veteran it is. <laughs> who either outpriced himself or uh, you know underperformed maybe in Cleveland's eyes. You take from the same division, you put him in a position of need for you, and and Joe Hayden is not, I don't think most football people would still rank him as a 
top 10 or top 15 corner as he had been at, at his peak, but he still is a guy who has been, it's almost like getting a pitcher at the trading deadline in baseball where the guy may not have his 95-mile-an-hour fastball anymore, but he's seen every big hitter in the league, and he knows how to face guys, and he's been through a lot of battles before. Joe Hayden has matched up with all the best receivers, uh, certainly in the AFC and most in the NFL. He's not going to be intimidated by being on a field uh, and being thrust into a, a, a pretty big role. Seems to be a nice fit for that Pittsburgh defense. You talked about the Patriots. Uh, you talk about Edelman. I mean, he's on IR due to a tour at ACL. Uh, there's speculation that Chris Hogan uh, is supposed to have a, is you know he's due to have a big year. What are talks around uh, Patriots and and what are how, how high hopes are for Chris Hogan? Yeah, it's interesting that you said Hogan and not Brandon Cooks, because I think right. people look at their fantasy draft boards and they assume, oh, Edelman's out, Cooks is even going to be that bigger in the offense. That may prove to be true, but he was going to play a little different position. I think the better one-to-one uh, uh, analysis there, and I don't mean one-to-one in terms of talent because Julian Edelman is a special player, but it is Chris Hogan. Uh, I'll give you my endorsement. I just had my first fantasy football draft this last weekend, and we jumped up and grabbed Chris Hogan because we think he's going to be uh, – um, he could be an 80-catch guy this year with the way Tom Brady likes to work the slot and the way that Hogan's going to see the second, third, maybe even fourth best DB on an opposing defense. Big year, I think, ahead for him. Heck, in the, in the, in the first quarter of that Detroit Lions-Patriots preseason game, when Edelman blows out his knee on the opening drive, or may have been the second drive, Hogan catches two touchdowns in the, at, at the end of that quarter. So he already uh, you know, has, has shown – that he can step up and, and provide something for that offense, whether it's to Edelman's level, I would doubt. Uh, but I still think that Patriots offense is going to be an absolute monster this season. There's two important players who are holding out. One guy is one of the most dominant defensive players in the league, and the other guy is a starting left tackle for a team that's won the division in consecutive years. We'll start uh, with Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald not in camp with the Rams. Yeah. Thoughts thoughts on Donald and then thoughts on Dwayne Brown from the Houston it, it, Texans yeah, at the left well, tackle spot. Uh, both – I would say surprising if we have this same conversation at this time next week because we've seen holdouts where it's leaked to the Ian Rappaports and the Adam Schefters of the world that oh, this is going to go into the regular season and a guy says, you know what, when it comes down to it, a, he doesn't want to miss game checks, and B, he doesn't uh, he doesn't want to leave his teammates when it's when it's really time to go to battle. So I'm I'm still thinking, even though both of these have have had saber rattling, let's call it, that it could go into the regular season, that these guys by the weekend, by after the Thursday uh, preseason games, might say, you know what, it's time to play football. My agent, the GM, they can still do their work and whatnot, but I'm going to show up and be with my teammates, if nothing else. And it's kind of a way for a guy to save face if he didn't get that deal that he wanted. Does everyone think Aaron Donald is worth J.J. Uh, Watt money? Most football people think so, but he's still under contract, and if the Rams want to dig the heels in the way they have been, that's their prerogative. I think they feel like he's not going to skip uh, much or any of the season at this point. Or we could, we could be talking in 24 hours, and Aaron Donald could be the highest-paid defensive player in NFL history uh, at this point tomorrow. We don't know really what's going on there. Huge loss, needless to say, if, uh, if Donald doesn't end up 
uh, getting to camp and doesn't end up playing in 16 games this year uh, for a team that needs to be a defensive-minded team in, in Los Angeles. As for the Dwayne Brown thing, look at the quarterback situation is already the key for that whole Texans season because we think that defense is going to be about as good as, as any uh, uh, defense in the AFC, maybe in the NFL. So if they can get good quarterback play – out of Tom Savage uh, or out of Watson if he ends up playing later, they could really, really make a push this year, not only in the division but maybe in the AFC. Well, if his blind side's not protected, you know, how, how good is a, is a quarterback when he doesn't feel like he's going to get that? Dwayne Brown's a very solid tackle when he's playing. He's trying to get paid, I think, like a top three offensive tackle, and I think there's the rub. Uh, again, would be surprised if he misses regular season games because uh, of, of – it's, you're going to miss game checks, and you don't want to be the guy who said, you know what, our guy wasn't reliable. When, when this guy knew he could hold out in the preseason and, hey, we're not winning or losing games that count in, in the month of August and, and early September, uh, when, it, when it's time to play, he needs to be there. I'd be surprised if these guys miss week one. Staying along with the Texans, uh, we know about the hurricane and the disastrous call down in Houston. Uh, there's some players that have come out and said, hey, we understand the conditions that Houston is in, uh, our hearts, and you know, obviously they're affected. But they're trying to play week one. They're trying to play in, in Texas because they want to be there for the fans. Can yes. you talk about uh, the community and how the Texans have stepped up? Uh, it reminds me a lot of what New Orleans did uh, for the community when they went through Katrina. That's a great analogy, and I think – because there are still players in the league, uh, well, Drew Brees being the, the, the foremost example uh, from that New Orleans team, what now, 11 years ago, I think, was the New Orleans Saints comeback after Katrina. Correct. Uh, they, they could probably tap into a little of the expertise about, uh, expertise experience, I should say, about what is it like to be the civic focal point, if you can, from a hurting community. I mean, mm. a hurting and uh, you know, just damaged community from the images that we see on the news networks are just overpowering, overwhelming on social media. It's this, it's that. But I do see if there is a state in the country that can come together and can rally together, it's Texas. Man, do they, if you, you guys, we all Correct. know Texans in our lives, and I don't mean Houston Texans, but Texans in terms of citizens of that great state, and they have as much pride and as much uh, fire in their bellies about, you know, being together as neighbors and, and fellow Texans and whatnot. Uh, I, I would love to see the Houston Texans provide that community, the surrounding areas, and maybe even more people in, the, in that uh, Gulf Coast region who are impacted by Harvey, uh, a focal point, a rallying point here at the beginning of the season to be able to say, you know what, we're going through some tough times, but Sunday for three hours we're going to get a chance to focus on something else, and these guys are going to go out there and do it for us. Yeah, and that's um, and you know, there's a guy in your own building, Mark Istook, who's from Texas, and he loves to wear his Texas shirts all the time. <laughs> Mark and I are friends. He I'm just got himself a Texas. new Twitter show, as a matter of fact. If I can plug that, yeah, go Him ahead. And, uh, Aaron Coscarelli and Mark Istook, they have it's a new venture for us with our partnership with Twitter. It's uh, it's a social media show, and it's going to be on uh, every every day, Monday through Thursday, I believe, at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, the, they're going to have their own show. So, Mark, if, if for those uh, in your audience who are fans of Mark or Aaron Coscarelli, it's going to be a fun show, kind of a freewheeling show covering the entire NFL exclusively on Twitter. So check that out. 
Uh, before we let you go, I want to plug your show, obviously, Let's NFL Red Zone. You've got that going on every Sunday. To me, you understand how addictive that is, right? I mean, the Red Zone, we're going from – I mean, the nature of fantasy football and 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 our short attention spans that we have now, yep. what a perfect combination at NFL Red Zone. You got that right. And, yes, I do understand the addictive quality of it. I will add this. It is one of the few addictions in this life that does not come with life-crushing, <laughs> life-altering side effects if you indulge Correct. it every Sunday. So we hope there's way worse trouble you could get in than watching seven – Seven hours of commercial-free football on NFL Red Zone. But for those in your audience who haven't ever tried it, we hope you join us on September 10th for the season kickoff of uh, season number nine for us with every touchdown from every game. Willie, that's Scott Hansen telling you, just hit this. Right. Right. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. You said it, not me. <laughs> no, just a, little, just a little taste of the NFL Red right. Zone. Just, just taste it and just see how you like it and come back to me. You uh, can uh, check them out, NFL Red Zone, every Sunday starting at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it provides all the exciting plays and touchdowns as they happen. Of course, they focus in on red zone action, so you're going to be rewarded in most cases. To order NFL Red Zone, simply go to the website NFL.com forward slash red zone. You can also follow Scott uh, not just on the NFL Red Zone, but you can follow him on Twitter as well at Scott. Hanson. Scott, I really appreciate you joining us here. We appreciate you joining us on NFL No Huddle and uh, look forward to seeing you this year on NFL Red Zone. Appreciate Lance, it. Willie. Hey, thanks for having me, Phil. It's good to talk some football with you. Let's crank it up here next week. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Alec Baldwin, one of Hollywood's most accomplished actors today, chronicles the highs and lows of his life in the honest, affecting memoir, Nevertheless, now playing on TuneIn. A memoir by Alec Baldwin. Through each chapter, Baldwin introduces us to the college student gearing up for a career in politics, told with signature candor and devastating wit. I'm writing it because I was paid to write it. Nevertheless, reveals an Alec Baldwin we've never really fully seen before. And with your premium subscription, you can listen to his incredible story and other great audiobooks on TuneIn today. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Catch the show live weekdays from 4 to 7 Eastern Time. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Lance Zerline, joined by Willie Colon. And right now, we're going to chat about Joe Hayden being cut from the Browns and ending up with Willie's Pittsburgh Steelers. The Cleveland Browns, who were rumored to be shopping Joe Hayden, they found no takers and because of that contract, and they ended up cutting Joe Hayden. And now the Pittsburgh Steelers are the favorite to land Joe Hayden. And let's start off the show right there. One of the better cornerbacks in the AFC North who could be going to another team within the division and a team that you want a Super Bowl title no less uh, no less with, and that would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. They certainly have a need at the cornerback position. Um, how do you view Joe Hayden in terms of his fit for the Pittsburgh Steelers and their defensive system? Well, I think one of the problems when you talk about Joe Hayden, you understand that he's a big-time talent at the cornerback position. However, he's been hurt, and, and he, he comes with baggage at times. Uh, but when it comes to having a legit corner, he fits the role. They, they That's a void they need to fill uh, on that defense. This team is built to win now. Uh, if you talk about what the Pittsburgh Steelers represent offensively, uh, you talk about the Triple Bs, Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, and Antonio Brown. This offensive line, you can put them easily at uh, one, two, or three, top in the league. And, 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 and of course, 
the defense uh, from from a defensive standpoint are there are they the Pittsburgh Steelers we've known them to be in the past? No, but this is a bend but not break defense. Uh, this defense is young; they fly around and they are getting better. Uh, I think they made a great acquisition in the draft as far as acquiring uh, acquiring T.J. Watts. But Hayden kind of gives them that oomph they need. Uh, this team is going to go far. This will be a playoff team, uh, and I'm talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. But when it comes down to the AFC Championship and you talk about Brady, you're going to need a corner. You're going to need somebody experienced and who is seasoned that can handle that type of uh, weight, especially on the outside. Uh, so hopefully uh, with Artie Burns and uh, Sean Davis and now Joe Hayden, they can really have something uh, in, that, in that secondary that can really give them that thing to push them over the top. Yeah, it really is an interesting selection because, or I mean, uh, a potential fit because, as you mentioned, at the end of it all, if you are at a certain level, you know, certain teams are saying, hey, let's try to get to the playoffs. Other teams are saying, let's win a division. The Steelers are one of those teams saying, let's compete for a title, and it always revolves around how do we match up against the Patriots. It always is going to revolve around that, and that means how do we match up with Tom Brady. And so, you know, it shouldn't be a surprise that they drafted Sean Davis, as you mentioned. They drafted um, the corner out of Miami, who uh, uh, Artie Burns, yep. as well, a couple of years ago. The Steelers have tried to, 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 to add defensive pieces to gear up to beat the Patriots. That's what they have to do. I mean, obviously you want to beat the Bengals. Obviously you want to compete within your division, win your division. But their goals, obviously, they're not taking the division for granted, but their goals are much higher. They've got to say, how do we beat Tom Brady? Well, not even beat Tom Brady. I think a lot of the pressure is on the Pittsburgh Steelers because of Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, some of the rumblings and his body language and his talk through the media, uh, as far as him wanting to maybe retire at the end of this year, the Steelers are saying, hey, you know, I don't know what's the next time we're going to have a, a franchise-type quarterback be drafted. You know, I don't know. You know, Kevin Colbert, he's been lucky, uh, the GM for the Steelers. He's been lucky. He's been able to draft two quarterbacks that kind of helped him propel propel him into the Super Bowl uh, area and continue the legacy. But right now, they're looking at the situation. We have to load this team with the most talent and the most efficient talent to help us win. Because it's all about the Patriots. They are the juggernaut of the league. They will see the they if the Steelers go far in the playoffs, they will see the Patriots. So they're trying to, uh, if you will, load the gun up and get this thing rocking and locking. Because if you go back to last year's championship, the defense was exposed. Uh, not having Le'Veon Bell on the on the field, they were kind of you know that kind of took a little sale out their wins, a little win out their sales, if you will. So they're looking at this as like, hey, we know we can go back with the team we have right now, but what, who's, going, who's going to be the guys we can pick up from right now before the start of the season that can really get, get us over the hump? And can we be effective? And can we can these guys that we bring in fit our style of play? Because not everybody can be a Steeler. A lot of guys want to be Steelers, but they may not fit the, 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 you know, the mold and the type uh, and, and really uphold the legacy of what Pittsburgh represents. So it's, uh, it's in- interesting. I think the Steelers should get Joe Hayden. Uh, I think he's an experienced guy. You got to understand, he's also uh, a former team of Marquise Pouncey. They played together in Florida, uh, and, and Pouncey has always spoke highly of him. And he's going to bring some moxie to that locker room. Not that there's not enough, to, so to speak, but he's definitely going to add to it. You know, he was a first-rounder in 2010, and here we are. He's 28 years old right now. But but Joe Hayden, you, you referenced his injury stuff. He's only played in 18 games since yeah. 2014. So the last two years, he's missed 14 games for the Browns. And you don't get paid – I mean, you, you're not – you don't make the club from the tub, as they say, and that's that's a problem. That, that obviously was a problem here. And the Browns are looking at it from this standpoint. You know, you have Hugh Jackson. You just have – you drafted a quarterback in the, uh, Deshaun Kaiser – 
Um, this is a team, and let's be honest, this team last year was in every game they played. They just couldn't finish. They were just a young team that when when the rubber hit the road, talent kind of always propelled the other team. But this team is scrappy. Uh, they're built to win now as far as preparing to win now. Now, are they going to go to the playoffs or contend, for, or contend to the Super Bowl? That's just flat-out reckless. But this is a team that the culture's changing. They believe in Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson and the, and the guys in our locker room, they all believe in each other. They believe they're going in the right direction. So this is a situation where I feel like the, the Cleveland Browns have stepped back and said, hey, we have a young nucleus. We have a lot of young guys in here that we can kind of build on. I don't know if Joe fits a plan anymore. You know, with him being out, uh, the money he requires and the intention he requires, I think it may be time for us to move on. So I think that's why you see this immediate push to kind of push him out the door because this team is ready. To, is, is has reset it last year. Um, they, they're trying to build on this year as far as, you know, acquiring more wins, kind of be making an impact in that division. So they're, they're trying to climb the ladder, and they're trying to get rid of the old. And, uh, you know, one of the guys that's held the Cleveland Browns down for a long time has been Joe Thomas. Um, I don't know at one point, you know, will he'll be a, the question is, will he be a Brown forever? Because, it, you know, his salary cap number, what he requires, is up there. So it, there's a lot of questions that still needs to be answered. But uh, Joe Hayden, I'm not surprised by this. I'm only surprised about where he goes next because it has to fit him now. And it, and who's going to be the team to take a, a risk on a guy who who surely has shown that he's injury prone? The Browns took 13 first-rounders between 2007 and 2016. And when you look at their history, every time they had multiple first-round picks, they failed miserably. I remember in 2014, Johnny Manziel and, uh, and um, Justin Gilbert for example, cornerback and obviously the quarterback who failed miserably. Um, Now they're the three who are with the team. There's there's only three first-rounders from 2007 to 2016. Only three of those first-rounders are still with the team. That's Corey Coleman, who was last year, uh, Danny Shelton, who was in uh, 15, I believe, and then um, Joe Thomas, obviously, was 2007. Here are the guys that didn't stick with the team. Brady Quinn. Was, mm. was a bust. Alex Mack was obviously good and moved on. Joe Hayden, we just referenced. Phil Taylor, who's had a little bit of a resurgence here. Um, he's back uh, on the field, isn't it? What's that? He's back on the field, right? Yeah. Phil Taylor. And, he, yep. and they, they say he's looking pretty good. Um, wow. Trent Richardson, obviously, it never happened. Brandon Whedon is third stringer with the Houston Texans. Barkevius Mingo is a backup in Indianapolis right now. Justin Gilbert, as we mentioned, and then Johnny Manziel. Now, the the Cleveland Browns also traded Cam Irving. And the, the reason I brought up Joe Hayden and now I'm bringing up Cam Irving is that uh, the Cleveland Browns, there's a huge purge going on right now. Is Sashi Brown and the Browns try to get the team, you know, try to create the team and the image that they want. And uh, Cam Irving just hasn't worked out up to this point. He was a first-rounder out of Florida State, a center. He goes to the Kansas City Chiefs in exchange for a fifth-round pick. He's supposed to potentially compete for the left guard spot. Parker Erringer, the the guard that they drafted from Cincinnati, has not played yet in the preseason after an ACL injury last season. And so Cam Irving is now a Kansas City Chief. 
You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. TuneIn brings the best in audio to you with great podcasts from every genre. There's unscripted sports talk with the Skip and Shannon Undisputed Podcast. Fair warning, Skip and Shannon may not always see eye to eye. Arts with the Men's Room Daily Podcast. You know I mean? Like, I don't have six days to do nothing but draw smiley face. It does suck when your favorite pen dies. And plenty of comedy with shows like Harmontown. Was that a sneeze or Italian? It said what? Frost. Frosty. Frost. Frosty? Frosty? I hope not. Listen to your favorite podcasts or discover new ones today on TuneIn. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Catch the show live weekdays from 4 to 7 Eastern Time. Hi, I'm Lance Zerline. Up next on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, Willie Colon and myself talk to Joel Corey from CBS Sports. Joel, welcome to the show. Lance Zerline and Willie Colon with you here on NFL No Huddle. Um, I, I want to ask you this. How much has Major League Baseball and, and, and the money ball concept and principle of value, you know, of, of output versus the amount of money you're going to pay for that output? that we saw that that has really governed Major League Baseball. How much of that right now do you think is responsible for how the NFL is being run? Um, it lags behind MLB and the NBA. Uh, if Cleveland becomes successful, since they are taking an analytics-driven approach, then you'll see more teams put it at the forefront of what they do. Uh, teams have always kind of had certain ways they allocated money uh, under the salary cap. Uh, one of the positions you're seeing, which has been devalued more so than others, is a running back because you can find them any place in the draft, more or less, or as an undrafted free agent. Jordan Howard, fifth-round pick. Uh, JHIA, fifth-round pick. You don't necessarily need to spend a ton of money at the running back position. You're always going to pay a quarterback because you're dead in the water without one. Look at Jacksonville. Have Pieces in place, quarterback is the Achilles heels, and you always got to pay a guy who's going to chase the uh, quarterback, put pressure on him. Yeah, but I watched it here in Houston, and I I applauded the move of paying Adrian, or or rather Arian Foster, who played with an undrafted contract for three years, and then the Texans took care of him. And I remember having people from around the league, like three different people said, boy, the Texans are stupid. They should have put a transitional tag on them or uh, you know, another tag on them and let the market set and then decide whether or not they want to keep them. And I thought, boy, that's cold-blooded to look at it that way when this guy's been balling out for you for three years at an undrafted uh, contract. But then, you know, their answer was always the same. Hey, this is it's just business. That's just the way it is. He's going to get paid, but let the market set itself. Are, do you like that mindset? Is that a necessary mindset for teams? Uh, if you look at it from the standpoint that you're being very clinical, it's what you expect. Uh, I don't think there's much loyalty in the NFL generally. Uh, that's kind of how I viewed it as an agent. So that doesn't surprise me. Um, that teams would take that approach. The thing is, when teams apply the it's just business, they need to also be able to respect the fact that if a player has leverage and applies it's just business, accept it and don't get bent out of shape because that rarely happens when the shoe's on the other foot that the team takes it kindly. Joe, we obviously just watched Matthew Stafford, uh, five years, $135 million, uh, contract extension, uh, we know what he just pushed. The, he just pushed the bar. He set the market. What do you think Matt Ryan and Aaron, Aaron Rodgers' uh, contract is going to look like when it's due time? 
that's probably going to be next offseason because uh, Ryan's going to be in a contract year, and Aaron Rodgers has gotten years done of two years out on his deal. Um, the guy you didn't mention will probably get the deal which surprises everyone as an undraft, as a unrestricted free agent, is Kirk, Kirk Cousins. If he hits the open market, he could be a $30 million per year guy if he's done what he's done the past two years. That would set the stage for Ryan and Rodgers. I think regardless of what Cousins does, these guys are going to be pushing $30 million a year and $100 million in guarantees. That's just where the market's headed for guys who can command top dollar quarterback. We're here with Joel Corey, CBS Sports uh, contracts analyst. Willie, you got uh, Willie. Yep. <laughs> speaking of, uh, you know, it's interesting that he said when a player has leverage, don't hate on the player for you wanting to use that leverage. Exactly. When the guys from your family of the offensive line click, Dwayne Brown is right here in Houston. Right. And he has not shown up yet. And rightfully so. I, I mean, I think Dwayne understands. You talk about value. I mean, the, the Houston and Texas offensive line isn't very good. Um, they're serviceable. Uh, there's a lot of guys who, I mean, my right tackle was with me and just Breno Jock. I mean, he's a veteran guy. He's coming off a of back. Dwayne Brown knows his value. He knows how much he's worth. And he's he, he understands that his longevity in his career is is coming to an end soon. I mean, he could probably play five more years, but his his window is now. So I don't I'm not mad at him saying, "Hey, pay me because I know what I can bring to the table and I know how much you guys need me." You just mentioned, Joe, there's there's no loyalty here. So if a guy feels like he he's putting up the right numbers and he's producing, pay the man what he deserves. Oh, and I've been through a couple of lengthy protracted holdouts, one of Jimmy Smith and then another of Cameron Cardell. So I'm not opposed to holdouts, but you got to know who you're dealing with and evaluate your likelihood of success before you undertake it. Brown's best thing is the offensive line's in disarray, but there's some challenges for him. One, this team rarely does a guy with more than a year out. They had to readjust Andre Johnson because he was so underpaid um, in 2010. Then they did J.J. Watt with multiple years left on his contract. But the problem is, if they do Brown, they got a guy underpaid on the defense, Whitney Merciless. Mm-hmm. Him with two years left, Whitney Merciless next year is going to go, what about me? You do Dwayne Brown with two years left. you got Dwayne Hopkins in a contract year. You've upset him. And then you've set the stage for J.J. Watt to come back if he's the same guy he's been before the back surgeries with multiple years left and go, look, they're $20 million per year defensive players, which is where we're at it. Damn, Joel, you're just, the, you're just ruining the whole Texans. <laughs> I mean, just, you just stay where you are and let <laughs> just let Texans be, please. Now, I'm Man. just explaining why I think Dwayne Brown is going to have a problem getting anything done. Plus, this team doesn't do anything once the regular season starts. If you don't get a deal done before the start of regular season, yeah, they don't negotiate true. in season. So the Texans are probably just going to wait them out, and then Dwayne Brown is going to have to decide, do I want to play football or not? Because they're not going to do anything once the season starts. Because once teams have some sort of precedent established, they will fight it tooth and nail to preserve it. So time's running out for him, and I think he's not going to be successful. Joe, just switching uh, ships over to my old team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Talk about Le'Veon Bell and his deal, and his deal, and as far as the pressure on the Steelers to kind of appease him and get something done. I think Pittsburgh went beyond and above the call of duty, given the Is that right? running back market. 
as you know, being a former Steeler, they don't give a lot of guaranteed money in their deals. So if you're ever going to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you won't have guaranteed money like you would elsewhere. You may have a better cash flow. So $12 million for a running back when the top of the market is basically eight, he's great. But is he 50% greater than the rest of the market? No. So <laughs> I think he made a mistake turning down that deal. Hopefully he stays healthy, doesn't have any more issues with the drug policy, and he can knock it out the park, have 2,200 yards from scrimmage, and do what he can do when he's healthy, and maybe they won't put a franchise tag on him next year for $14.5 million, and he can be the litmus test for what a great back is worth on the open market. If I'm David Johnson, I'm not happy he didn't accept that deal because that would have been my floor. Mm, good point. I- I've got, a, I've got an interesting scenario here. So you mentioned New Hopkins, and he was a guy last year who played with Brock Osweiler who he did no favors for Hopkins in that contract value. And, and, and DeAndre was, you know, I mean, he wanted he, – he's a wide receiver. He knows his contract's coming up. He wanted to get a new deal done. The team wouldn't do the deal uh, with him. He had Brock Osweiler. Osweiler was terrible. And then here we are the next year, and he's got to be thinking, wow, this is my last year of my contract. If we don't get a deal done this offseason, what am I going to do? Because I've got Tom Savage and a rookie in, in uh, Deshaun Watson. So if you're the Texans, do you hold against him? Uh, substandard quarterback play for his for his output? Do you try to use that as leverage against him in a contract situation when he has performed exceptionally well when the ball's been thrown his way? Oh, yeah, I would expect that to come up in any negotiation that he had down year. But then the agent's going to explain why it was the down year because you had a horrible quarterback. Allen, Allen Robinson's probably had the same problem in Jacksonville this year. Um I think that's part of the reason why he was so adamant about Savage needs to be the quarterback because he doesn't want to have two years in a row, one with Osweiler, then a rookie, throwing him the football and have two bad years potentially in a row. The thing is, I think he's destined for a franchise tag if they don't get anything worked out, and that'll be roughly $16 million um, in 2018 because i got to think even though he had the down year, at a minimum, he's looking at that Julio Jones, uh, A.J. Green, Demarius Thomas, Des Bryant range of like $14, $15 million a year and over $40 million in guarantees. It's Joel Corey from CBS Sports. Joel, we're going to let you go right now. Oh, just really quickly, I'm not going to, we talked a lot about Matt Stafford. Um, how do you see Kirk Cousins coming out when it's all said and done financially? Oh, I think he's going to get a deal which people are going to be like, how could he get that much money as long as he has a decent year? <laughs> Uh, this year, thirty million overall average, hundred million overall guarantee, sixty million fully guaranteed at signing. As long as he does what he's done the past two years, somebody's going to pay him that, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's Jacksonville. Wow, woo! That's a new. That's the new model. That's a hot take right there. That's a that's a new model though, Willie. You got. I've never seen this. Everyone wants to avoid that that franchise tag, and Kirk Cousins is like, mm, I'm good. Keep, right. I'll take. I'll take. I'll gamble on me. One year at a time, and you guys pay me a premium price, guaranteed, one year by one year. I'll let the market keep going up at the position, and then I'll cash in at the very top of that rung. It's an interesting move, Joel, but it's one that I think is going to pay off handsomely for him. Oh, yeah. Tremaine Johnson's doing the same thing with the Rams. Two franchise tags for about $31 million. Only corner who's made more, Josh Norman. He's in a position to reap the benefit next year because they're not going to put a third one on him. So I think 
these two guys, particularly Cousins, have changed the dynamic how players view the franchise tag. Hey, Joel, thanks for joining us today here on NFL No Huddle. We appreciate it. Sure, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.